If anyone ever felt as though his sin was deeper than grace would go, I have. If anyone ever thought his prayer was a waste of time, cause no one cares, I have. If anyone believes that he's gone too far, then my friend, I've been right where you are. You're not alone. No, you're not alone. I have good news to share with you. What you're feeling now is far from true. So keep holding on. Cause if there is one who loves beyond the sad mistakes that we've all done, he does. If there's a soul who understands and longs to heal the hurt we have, he does Jesus does He walked the road to Calvary He suffered pain and agony because he knew there'd come a day that you would need to call his name if there is one who wants to be the one and only friend you need, he does. If anyone has a right to say, thank you, Lord, for another day, I do. If anyone has a reason to sing a song when gray skies hide the blue, that's me. If anyone can stand and testify, you can count on me and I'll tell you why he set me free. Oh, he set me free. When the guilt and shame from my own sin sought to rob me of the joy he gives, he reminded me. Cause if there is one who looks beyond the sad mistakes that we've all done, he does. If there's a soul who understands and longs to heal the hurt we have, he does. Jesus does. He walked the road to Calvary. He suffered pain and agony because he When you would need to call his name If there is one who wants
wants to be the one and only friend you need. He does. Jesus does. He walked the road to Calvary. He suffered pain and agony because he knew there'd come a day when you to be the one and only friend you need he does Jesus does actually we have listed as I move some of this stuff here. First of all, the Northern Dauphin Christian School, the an uh, auction and banquet. There were four tickets available, but if you're interested, you're too late. You're too late. They are already gone. So it wasn't supposed to be a trick. They, they are gone. So praise the Lord. If you are still interested in attending, um, there is more information, I believe, in the foyer. Right, Debbie? In the foyer. In your bulletin insert, that will show you how you can still go you guys are switching seats on me today. I like it. I like it. Nice and close. That's almost the spit zone during preaching time. So you get a little dangerous back there. You're protected. Um, but you, yes, there is no prayer meeting tonight. There is youth group from 5 to 6.30. Ryan Bowman has an announcement here about uh, one of the Hands of God service projects coming up. They clap for Dylan when he comes up, Ryan. I don't know about it. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. So, uh, the Hands of God 12 months of service uh, coming up in April. Want to do a... There you go. We want to hear you. You're important. So, um, what we're going to be doing in April is uh, collecting donations for Caitlin Smiles. Maybe some of you know what Caitlin Smiles is. Caitlin Smiles is an organization uh, based down in Harrisburg. And what they do is they actually produce cat, uh, craft kits for children that may be in long-term hospital care, some of them uh, actually terminal as well. Uh, so we're going to be collecting donations, monetary donations to put together craft kits. Uh, what they, uh, they go through about three or 400 door hangers uh, for the kids to decorate their rooms just to make it a little more like home. About three to 400 a month they go through. So we're gonna collect donations uh, to put these craft kits together. So we'll be buying the door hangers, uh, stickers, markers, you know, odds and ends like that for them. Uh, we're hoping to put together uh, five to six hundred at least. Um, so depending on what comes in, we may actually uh, buy them some Play-Doh as well, which is another big thing that they get for the children. Uh, and if, uh, if you surprise us and a lot comes in, uh, we may carry some of that money over to uh, future Hands of God's 12 Months of Service projects. So uh, if, you, if it's on your heart to uh, bless these children, uh, we're also going to have an evening where we get together and put the kits together. 
not actually make the door hangers, so don't get excited about that. We're just going to put them all in bags for the children to uh, present them to them. Uh, and then uh, also, uh, if you do want to give, uh, the White Church will be out next week. Next week. Next Sunday, the White Church will be out uh, for monetary donations. Uh, if you're writing a check, uh, please make it out to Tim Pritchard. If you don't know Tim, he's over in the spit zone. Uh, <laughs> Write it out to him. He is the uh, Sunday school teacher, so we're putting it in his name right now. Uh, and then uh, the, the funds will be put into uh, uh, that service project fund uh, that uh, we're just doing personally right now. Yeah. So, that good works. to go. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we, do ask, we do ask that through this, that you, you know, with things of Play-Doh and stuff, that you don't bring Play-Doh in, you don't bring door hangers in. We want this to be uniform. So if, if the Lord does lay it on your heart to give, whether it's $1, $50, whatever it would be, that you do do that through a monetary donation in the white church. That way uh, there's a little more control over what's coming in and what, are, what things are needed. That way we can make sure the funds go to the correct place. At this time, I'd like to ask the Snyders and Sprangles to come forward. <laughs> Buddy? Uh, sure. You guys want to go on one side and you guys on the other and then... So Word of Life Chapel, a child dedication ceremony is something that's done for both the parents and for the child. Uh, it's declaring that their child now belongs to the Lord, and they need the Lord's help. And for any of you that are parents, I believe you can testify to that, that you need the Lord's help every minute of every day. In 1 Samuel 1, 27 to 28, Hannah gave her son to the Lord as she had promised. In Hebrew, to give one's son can be defined as the idea of a permanent giving over, a decision that cannot be taken back. This is an acknowledgement this morning that Ben and Miles belong to Jesus. It's an acknowledgement that as parents, they're going to devote themselves, that Jared and Sammy, Jake and Miranda are going to devote themselves to raising their children in accordance with the word of God. God's counsel, God also counsels parents to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22. It's a commitment that they as parents will be open to the support and prayer of others for their children, and for themselves. Now, let me explain just a, a brief moment here. Dedication and baptism. Some churches do baby baptism, infant baptism. Maybe you were baptized as an infant or um, have been to a church that was like that. We at Word of Life Chapel believe that baptism is a public declaration of one's decision to follow Jesus. Since infants are not capable of making that decision for themselves, we reserve baptism for a time when an individual is old enough to actually make that decision for themselves. When they're old enough to understand their decision to accept Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Faith isn't pa passed on to a child through dedication. Parents are making a commitment to raise their child in the training and the instruction of the Lord. With the desire that one day their child will accept Jesus Christ and will follow in the commands that God has given to be baptized. So, Jared and Sammy, Jake and Miranda, I'm going to read a couple things, and at the end, if you could say, we do 
if you agree with those statements. Do you testify you have personally received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? That Jesus will be the center of your home? That the Bible will be honored as the Word of God? That by committing your Son to the Lord, your desire is that He will someday receive Christ as personal Savior? That you will invest time, energy, devotion, and prayer for your son and help him cultivate a relationship with God. <laughs> it's a long time to stay up here, Daddy. You're good. You're good. You need God's help to be godly parents for your son. If so, say we do. We do. Now, this is the challenge to the congregation this morning. You know, we're a family, right? We're a family. And, and something that's always been challenging to me when I've been sitting in the congregation is, is that I make a commitment. I make a commitment. And what commitment am I making, and how am I going to follow through on that commitment? Maybe you've thought about that, maybe you haven't, and you just say, I do. I challenge you to truly think on that this morning, because we're a family, and what you're agreeing to this morning will help change the lives of these little boys. Would you stand as I read the commitment, and we'll pray together. After I read, if you're in agreement, would you say we do? Do you as members of the body of Jesus Christ solemnly promise to help these couples in the raising of their children, to encourage them in their responsibilities, to provide an atmosphere of love and concern for them and their child, and to pray diligently for the well-being of these families? If so, say we do. We do. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the gift of Miles and of Benjamin. Father, we're thankful for Jake and Miranda, Jared and Sammy. Father, for, for their intentionality and, and raising their children up in accordance with your ways. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, this morning we claim Miles, we claim Benjamin for your kingdom. Lord, we pray that you would put a hedge of protection around them. Lord, that you would grant wisdom to Jared and Sammy and Jake and Miranda, that they would be godly examples to their children. Father, we pray that you bless Miles, that you bless Benjamin. Father, that you would bless the parents, that you would bless this congregation in the name of uh, the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Let's hear it up for these guys. What a, what a great decision this morning. Great to see you guys. Hey, buddy. At this time, Leonard's going to come and lead us in hymn 434, Sweet Hour of Prayer. Did you ever stop and think what a privilege it is that we have in prayer? We can come directly into the throne room of the God who created the universe. What a privilege we have, and so often we neglect that privilege. Pastor is going to be speaking on prayer this morning. So our hymn this morning is be 434, Sweet Hour of Prayer. Let's sing it together.
you could pull out your prayer ministry sheet this morning, a couple of things to mention. Uh, Chris Miller had surgery for an infected heel this past Thursday. I didn't hear how that surgery went. Did anybody hear how that surgery went? Don, it's good to see you this morning. He would, he would know, wouldn't he? Don, you would know. How'd it go? Okay. Let's keep Chris, thank you, Don. Let's keep Chris and Don both in prayer. Uh, keep Peter Rank, number three, in prayer as well as he continues to recover. And, and Sue Miller, many others on this list uh, with different struggles going on right now in their lives. Uh, also remember Pastor Bob this week and Sue, is there a way on vacation? May it be a time of true relaxation um, where they're able to just find refreshment in the Lord, and in being away. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we are so thankful for your love for us. Father, that we can gather together to lift your name up. Father, we're here for you this morning. And Lord, we ask that you would speak truth to us. Father, we thank you for the songs that we have sung. We thank you for the children that were brought up to be dedicated to you. We thank you for parents who are willing to dedicate their children to you. Father, who are making the public declaration in front of their fellow family members in Christ that they are going to raise these young men, these little boys, up to be young men of faith. Father, we think of Chris Miller and, and everything that she's went through this past week. We thank you that the surgery was a success and we pray for healing. Father, there are so many on this list and we could go through them individually. Lord, you know them each by name. Father, we ask for healing where healing is needed. Father, for peace where peace is needed. Father, we pray for Pastor Bob and Sue. Is there a way this week? We pray that it would just be a tremendous time of blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a, there's a saying, God is good. And then you're supposed to say, all the time. And all the time, good. I don't believe you, so we got to say a little bit with a little, more, a little more meaning to it this morning. God is good. And all the time, God is good. Amen. It's a song that we're going to sing this morning. The chorus says this, all my life you've been faithful. All of my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. James says in James chapter 5, we're going to look at today, that if you are cheerful, you should sing the praise of God. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me in all my days. I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head And I will sing of the goodness 
of God. Let's sing that one more time now that we're able to get a little grasp for it. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me in all my days. I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head and I will sing of the goodness of God yes. and all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so so good with every You stand with us. You sing, I love your voice, the voice of the Lord. What a beautiful thing. I love your voice. You led me through the fire. You have led me through the fire. In darkest night, you are close like the water. yesterday and change things that have happened and we can't fast forward into tomorrow 
we can live right now, knowing that God is with us at this very moment, in this very place. Oh
as a fool. All I want is all you are. that you break down the barriers, the walls that we might have up, Lord, that we can hear your truth. Father, that your truth may be communicated. Father, that we hear exactly what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. a silly question to ask? Do we really believe that prayer works? Do we live like prayer works? There's a story, a uh, country preacher. He decided to skip church one Sunday and go to Williamsburg. No, just kidding. He was going bear hunting. He was going bear hunting. He was going bear hunting. And he's out and he's bear hunting. <laughs> you know, Pastor Bob, he gets some jabs at me when I'm away, so uh, I got to make sure I return the favor here. No, he's, he's going bear hunting one Sunday, and he goes up to the hills, and, and he's looking for bear, and he has his, his trusty rifle with him, and he's walking all around looking for this bear. Am I muted or am I on? You're, you're muted. I am? All right. Woo. Now I feel like I have to whisper. So he's up, and he's looking for this bear in this hill, and he has his trusty rifle with him, and he comes around the corner on one of the, his perilous turns. He comes around the corner and runs right into a bear. He falls back, of course. I mean, come on. Imagine if you ran into a bear, right? He falls back. He starts to roll down the hill. As he's on this hill, he rolls down the hill. His gun goes one way. He falls to the bottom and hits this huge rock and breaks both of his legs. But that's not the worst part because <laughs> there's a bear. And he looks up, and this bear is ferociously charging after this preacher. And the preacher says, he's thinking, well, what in the world? And he says, Lord, Lord, please forgive me for skipping church this week to go bear hunting. Please, just please forgive me. Please grant one request, one request before the bear gets to me. God, make the bear a Christian. <laughs> the bear a Christian. And the bear, it doesn't stop the bear. The bear is, is ferociously charging. And right before the bear gets to the preacher, it comes to a sliding stop. The bear stands up, puts his paws in the air gets down on both knees, claps his paws together and says, dear Lord, please bless this food I'm about to eat today. Do you believe, do you believe today that prayer works? I believe the Lord hears every single prayer that we pray. And sometimes prayer doesn't turn out the way that we're hoping it turns out. But I believe God hears every prayer and he answers every prayer. It might not be the way we want. It might not be the yes we're looking for, but he hears every prayer and he answers every prayer. You know, James in his book talks about calling on the Lord here in the end of James chapter 5 is the first time where James mentions prayer as a word in and of itself. It's not a huge book. We've spent a good part of eight to ten weeks looking at it, and, and we could have spent much, much more. As a matter of fact, some of the verses that I'm going to share with you today are individual sermons in, in and amongst themselves. 
Now, before we, we read this passage, before we get into it, I, I'd like to share this with you, that this is one of the hardest passages I've ever had to preach on, probably the hardest. Why? Because it is so debated. As a matter of fact, one commentary author that I, I love to use says this is the, one of the most, if not the most, controversial passage in the whole New Testament. And Pastor Bob goes to Williamsburg. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Actually, he was supposed to preach this week, but we had snow. We had a snowstorm, right? Um, you know, the Bible does say the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So maybe he was praying for that snow. No, I'm just kidding. But, 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 you know, he was supposed to preach. The snow pushed everything back. And as I say all of this today, he's actually listening because we're live streaming for the first time this week. So he's actually, him and Sue are sitting in Williamsburg watching the service this morning. Um, so don't do anything. Watch what you say. Um, <laughs> But no, so, so if you are away, if you're going on vacation, if you're sick at home, now you're able to watch the service on Sunday morning. Um, it's going to be live streaming through YouTube. You can actually, we'll link it through Facebook as well, but you can go on and, and find on Word of Life Chapel uh, on YouTube, and you'll be able to watch every Sunday morning service from now on, as long as we don't have any technological glitches. Would you stand with me as we read our scripture passage for today? James chapter 5, it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. I need you guys to switch it for me because we're not. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Father, I ask that you would bless this morning. Father, as we continue on and we look at such a controversial passage, but Father, as we open your word, and we're so thankful for your word, we're thankful that we can freely own it in this country, Father, that we can freely proclaim your name. Lord, I ask that you would guide every word that is spoken in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, so let me share this with you again. As I mentioned, it was controversial. This is how controversial it is. I, I was looking at three different, highly, very well-regarded biblical scholars, and each one of them said something. Each person interpreted the passage completely differently. The one that, that I felt like and, and believed, truly believe, after looking at the Greek and stuff like that, believe was, was John MacArthur. Maybe you're familiar with John MacArthur. Don't necessarily agree with everything that he teaches, but I think he hit the nail on the head with this. Um, and so if, if you listen to John MacArthur, you might hear some of the same thoughts, but, but that's, because, uh, that's because this is kind of where I got this idea from. I've never seen it presented in this way. I've never heard it presented in this way or even heard it suggested in this way. 
but let's have some fun and dig in. James chapter 5, verse 13, is anyone among you suffering, let him pray. Let's look at the context. James is writing to the Jews, right? They would be suffering, and if they would proclaim the name of Jesus, right, they would be persecuted. They were going through suffering. We see it earlier in the book of James, the idea of trials and temptations, enduring through your trials, through suffering, other things like that. It's a theme throughout this book. And if you're suffering, what are you supposed to do? You are supposed to pray. Sometimes in our lives, when there are small sufferings, we view them as annoyances, and we don't pray about them. James says, pray. You're frustrated about something that's going on at work, and you come home and and talk about it. My question to you this morning is, did you pray about it? Did you take it to the one who is always listening? There were three preachers, they were sitting and they were discussing the best position to pray in. What's the best position to pray in? And there was a a guy working on some wires there in the room at the same time. And the one preacher says, the best way to pray is when you're on your knees. That's how I feel closest to God, on my knees. The second guy said, the best way to pray is when you're standing with your hands lifted to the heavens. That's what I feel like is the best way to pray. And the third guy says, no, that's completely wrong. I believe the best way to pray is when you're lying face down on the floor. That's when I feel like... I connect with God in the deepest level. The guy working on the wires, he looks, he says, listen, listen, pastors, I'm sorry. I got to tell you this. The, the best prayer I ever prayed is when I was hanging upside down from a telephone pole. <laughs> and you know, the, the truth is that when we are truly suffering, there's a genuine calling out to God that happens. If you're suffering in your life, pray, pray, Pray. It's consistent with what we see in the rest of Scripture. Pray without ceasing. Pray in all circumstances. God is always listening. There's verses and verses and verses I could give you this morning that talk about prayer, that talk about how God is listening and hears everything that you have to tell him. Verse 14, is anyone cheerful? I'm sorry, still verse 13. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. What does this mean? We, we, we sing songs of, of joy, of praise. You know, I think of, we were able to go, Sarah and I went, and Nehemiah, we went to Bolivia for my sister's wedding, right? Very special time. Now, let me explain. My family, my brother lives, well, he just moved. They live in Manchester, in between York and Harrisburg. Some of you might know where that is. Manchester. We live here in Halifax. My grandfather and his wife live in Georgia. My, my family is so spread out. Some of you have most of your family very close. My parents, of course, live in Bolivia. Now, for us to fly to Bolivia is uh, money, 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 right? It, it costs money, right? It's not free. It's not like driving down. Even driving to Florida to see Sarah's parents is, is not very comparable to having to buy now three plane tickets to fly to Bolivia, right? So it's very rare that we are all together as a family. But for my sister's wedding, we were. Most, most of us. My, my brother's wife, my grandfather's wife couldn't make it. Most of us were there. And we were sitting around this room. And, and what do we do when we sit in the room? Well, we talk about sports, and we talk about different things, and we tease each other. We love to tease each other. Poor Sarah, she married into a family that gives everybody such a hard time. But, you know, she takes it really well, and she's learned to start dishing it out, too, I tell you what. Um, but, you know, this, this idea that we gather together, but we don't just do that. I remember sitting, and my dad says, guys, let's just thank the Lord that we are together today. Do we do that? Some of you, your, your families are so close. Some of you aren't. Some of you... You have children in the military or your family live in other states. And when you get together, you know what I'm talking about, how special that moment is because it's so rare. 
It's so rare. We sit down and we grab guitars, my brother, ukulele, and we sing all different songs of praise to the Lord. Why? Because there's so much joy in our hearts. We're so cheerful. If you're happy, let the world know how good your God is. Like the song from the moment that I wake up until my very last breath, I will sing of the goodness of God. But I think that applies to more than the big overarching principle. I think it applies to the daily little things of our lives too. How many of you lose your wallet every day? Anybody? If, if you're a spouse looking at your husband, it's probably because you moved it, right? That's what some people say. No, no, I'm just kidding. I told Sarah that in Sunday school. And, um, but, but the reality of it is this. I lose things all the time. All the time. I come home and I put my keys somewhere, not on the key hanger where they're supposed to go, but somewhere else. And then it's like, I got to go. Where are my keys? I put my wallet somewhere and I can't find it. And you know what? When I find that wallet, when I find that keys, my heart should say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Because in the little things, if you're faithful, it will go into the big things. Thank you, Lord. Just miss the deer on the road. Thank you, Lord. Your car still gets you from point A to point B. Thank you, Lord. You still draw breath. Thank you, Lord. You can lift your hands up in the air and praise. Thank you, Lord. You can stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord. See, we as an assembly, as a body, as a congregation, should be singing the praises of God to the whole community. So if you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing praise. Verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. This is where the passage gets tricky. And it's interpreted different ways. That word sick, that word sick at times is, is the Greek, in Greek is the word asteneo, asteneo. Look at the person next to you and say asteneo. Asteneo. Good, half of you are awake. Asteneo, right? So, so the first meaning of the word asteneo is weak, feeble, and without strength. It can mean sick, right? It can mean sick. There are times in the New Testament where asteneo means sick. When talking about Lazarus being ill, he was sick, right? Asteneo, that word. But asteneo can also mean weak, feeble, without strength. Asteneo is the same word that's used in 2 Corinthians 12.10. I think I have that, right? That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in the weaknesses and insults, in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am asaneo, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't believe this passage in James is referring to physical healing. And we're going to look at it a little more, and maybe you do. Maybe that's what you've always been taught. And I, and I think that once we look at a little bit more of the scripture, the Greek in it, you, you should understand kind of where I'm coming from. But at the same time, it could refer to physical healing. I mean, it's, it's a very tough passage to interpret, but I don't believe that's where the evidence leads us. See, James spends the whole, be, the whole part of his book before this talking about suffering, persecution, all of these problems that the church is finding itself in. And then to all of a sudden throw two verses in about physical healing, it doesn't seem to flow with what's being done. So I take that, the word asaneo to mean I am weak. So look at, look at verse 14 again. Here's what it says. If, is anyone among you, asaneo, is anyone among you, let's translate that weak, is anyone among you weak, or you could say sick, referring to your own emotional state, 
right? Is anyone among you weak? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 13, 9 uses that same word. It says, for we are glad when we are asineo, when we are weak and you are strong. That, co- that comparison between being weak and strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. We're going to talk about restoration in a moment. See, what I believe this is referring to is this idea for when I am weak, when I am going through struggles, is there anyone out there that's suffering? Let him pray. Is there anyone out there that is uh, cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is there anyone out there who is sick, is weak, is weak in your emotional state. Maybe you've been beat down at your job. You've hit rock bottom. You're at the end of your rope. You don't see any hope left for your marriage. You seem like everything, it's just a terrible, terrible, terrible place to be in. James says, go to the spiritual overseers of your church. Why? Why Why does he say that? Well, we don't have elders here at Word of Life Chapel. We have deacons and pastors, right? And the deacon board functions as deacons and elders. So in this case, you would go to your deacons and pastors because they are the spiritual overseers of the church. They are the ones who are to be walking and living righteously. They're to be seeking God with the utmost sincerity and devotion, living their lives to the standards that are found in Titus and 1 Timothy. They are supposed to be, and I believe that the men on the board are, mature in their faith. He's speaking here that you need to, if you're struggling, you found yourself in rock bottom. You've prayed because you've went through some tough times and suffering. This isn't just suffering. You're beyond that now. You're in a complete state of weakness. Your job is totally destroying you. Your marriage is in a terrible situation. Maybe it's even that your illness is overcoming you. James says, go to the elders of your church and have them pray over you. Why? Why are they going to pray over you? Because they can give you strength. Have you ever been prayed for by someone before and it just lifted your spirits? If you haven't, you're totally missing out. When someone comes up and says, I want to pray for you today. And they pray, and it's such an encouragement to you. It gives you the strength to move forward. Notice notice who comes to who in this situation. It's not the responsibilities of the elders, deacons, or pastors to seek out someone who's in a weak place, a sick place. It is the responsibility of that individual to come and to find the deacons, elders, pastors, and ask for prayer. And then it says this, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, what is that referring to? Again, let's go back and let's look at the Greek. The Greek word that is used here, I should have it up on the screen, right? As a lifo. A lifo, that's the word anointing, a lifo, to anoint with oil, right? Now, this word a lifo is never used in a ceremonial type sense. As a matter of fact, this word is the word that is used when the sinful woman comes in to put ointment on Jesus' feet. You know what I'm talking about in that, right? When Mary is going to rub oil on Jesus, it's this idea of bringing refreshment, it's not that the oil is, is symbolic of, of some type of 
physical healing. I, I don't believe that's what this passage is teaching. Instead, that the oil is representing a, a restoration, a refreshment. And I believe that's what this whole passage is talking about, that the elders, the overseers, the pastors of your church are to provide restoration for those who are weak, those who are sick. It's not that you're going to come in and say, listen, I need prayer. And you come into a deacon meeting and, and you sit down and we say, okay, listen, we want to pray for you. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, merv. You're the one massaging oil on this person's head. No, it's not, it's not that. Right? Because some of you probably wouldn't come for prayer. But see, the ministry of the spiritual overseers of the church is a ministry of prayer. It is a ministry of prayer. If you look at Acts chapter 6, when, the, when the, the choosing of the seven is done, the apostles say, we will devote ourselves to prayer, to prayer, and to the ministry of the word. The ministry of the spiritual overseers, of the elders, deacons, pastors, is a ministry of prayer. See, looking at how this is supposed to function. So, so you're a part of the assembly, and you are rock bottom. Go to the spiritual leaders in your church. Ask them to come and pray over you. I don't necessarily believe that the anointing with oil here is something that, that has to happen as much as it's symbolic of restoration. You probably wouldn't feel very relaxed if we massaged oil on your shoulders or your head or your feet but that you can come in and the, the, the board, the pastors can say, listen, we're praying for you. We want to encourage you. We want you to leave here today with your heart. Maybe we're not, you're not going to fix every problem that's going on in the situation, but you're going to leave and, and know that your spiritual leaders are thinking of you, praying for you on their knees before God for you. And we see farther down, it says that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Kind of summarizing that, right? The prayer of a man whose heart is close to God is tremendously powerful. You know, we say we believe in prayer. But I, I truly believe that we've seen a decline in prayer in our churches in the United States of America. I mean, you know, prayer meetings used to be booming. Why, why is that? Why do we see a a drop in the corporate gathering of believers to pray? It's a good question. I, I personally don't believe it's any coincidence that we've seen a drop in prayer in our churches and we've seen a complete drop in the moral integrity of our nation. I don't think you can separate the two. Our job is to pray. Bob Carlisle. Do you guys know Bob Carlisle? Do you remember Bob Carlisle? Somebody, right? Somebody knows who Bob Carlisle is? Tim, are you the only one? That's it. Butterfly Kisses. Everybody knows Butterfly Kisses, right? Right? Butterfly Kisses. Bob Carlisle sang Butterfly Kisses. He had another song that was really, really good, and it was called this, I Can Stand Tall. Here's what the words are. I can stand tall on my knees. I'm referring to prayer. I can see forever on my knees. I can face it all. I can feel, I feel like I can climb a mountain because on my knees the world's a little smaller. I stand a little taller on my knees. In, that, in the writing of John MacArthur, he calls this the ministry of restoration. 
that the spiritual leaders in the church have a ministry of restoration. What a beautiful thing. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Think about how messy life is. Knowing that you can come into the the church, you can come in and have the spiritual overseers of the church pray for you in particular. Because we're a family. And we care about each other. And prayer works. And because that's what James tells us to do in the word of God. Verse 15 says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Here we're given another word for sick. It's, it's not the same Greek word. This word is komno. It's used three times in the New Testament. And this is the only time where it's translated in English to mean sick. The other times are weary, weary, weary. Could it be the same thing with being weary and being sick? Maybe, again, sick emotionally with the turmoil of life? The word komno leads us to believe that. It's the same word that's used in Hebrews 12, 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow comno, you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. James says that we are to ask boldly. In James 1, 6, he says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting when referring to asking for wisdom. We are to come before the throne boldly. The person who is spiritually mature recognizes, recognizes that we can come before God with the prayers of our heart, realizing, realizing that God is always working for the good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess your sins to one another. Now when I, when I imagine that off the top of my head, what I would see is us all standing up or that idea of accountability, right? That you find a brother, you find a sister that you begin to confide in. I struggle with this. I struggle with this. I've treated my spouse like this. I need you to pray for me. Can you keep me accountable in that? That's not what's being taught here. Not that accountability is not biblical, it is. But here it's referring to confessing your sins to one another. I've wronged you as a brother. I've wronged you as a sister. I need to make that right. Churches are are known for grudges. 1 John 2.11, But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness. And does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. We, we all know what it's like to hold a grudge. To allow someone to occupy space in your mind when they have no business there. But we allow ourselves to maybe obsess over it or become frustrated with it. And, and maybe it even leads to the point of becoming angry. And I, I truly believe that holding a grudge is a sinful thing. I believe that anger, that, that hate is a sinful thing. It leads us to very dangerous, dangerous, dangerous places. Yet in churches, there are people that will not talk to each other. There are families who will not talk to each other. We're told to live at peace with each other when at all possible in the scriptures. And and there are certain things that we cannot do. We can't control somebody else, but we are responsible for ourselves. I need to do everything that I can to make this relationship right. They don't want to, that's not on me. That's on them. I'm responsible to the Lord for Tony. You're responsible to the Lord for you. 
Confess your sins and pray for one another that you may be healed. Again, this, this healing, I, I, I take it to mean this, this emotional healing that goes on because you know what it's like when you restore the relationship that was broken. Maybe you're really frustrated with someone or someone's been frustrated with you and they come and they say, hey, listen, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done this. I just want to let you know this. I, I genuinely, uh, I was wrong in my heart and, and I want to confess that to you and apologize. And now I, I'd like to pray for you. They go together right? We, we, we're, we're very good at confessing, but we don't always follow through with the praying part. And if you've prayed for someone that drives you nuts or bothers you, you know how God changes that, right? Has that ever happened to you before? Someone is really bothering you? Lord, I want to pray for this person right now that you just give me a different perspective. And he does. He does. I believe that wholeheartedly. I've seen it multiple times in my own life. See, we as a church are to set the example for the rest of the world. Jesus says in John 13, 35, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. See, the, our politicians don't do this. They don't confess to one another, pray for one another. Celebrities don't do this. The media doesn't do this, right? Your famous sports people, for the most part, don't do this. Who sets the example? We set the example for the rest of the world by our love for each other. Not by the grudges we hold or the things that, that, that bother us. We set an example by our love for each other as a family, as a body in Jesus Christ. And then James gives us the example of Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit Elijah was just like us. He had a sinful nature. He was tempted. He had struggles and trials. This, this part that's, that's um, put right here at the end is in 1 Kings uh, 17 to 19. Right? Elijah prays, Elijah prays that it's not going to rain, and it doesn't rain for three years and six months. And what's being emphasized here is that the prayer of someone whose heart is close to God summarized in one of my commentaries, said this, the prayer of a man whose heart is right with God works wonders. The prayer of a man whose heart is right with God works wonders. See, if we truly believe that prayer works, then we should be looking for as much prayer as possible. So when you're going through tough times in your life, pray. When life is great, Sing the praises of God. When you've hit rock bottom, seek the deacons and pastors that they may pray over you and provide a ministry of restoration in your life. When you've sinned against someone in the assembly, make sure to confess it. And then take time to pray with them. Pray with faith with trust, knowing that God's promises are true and that God is always working. Would you pray with me? Lord, you are great. Father, and we all know what it's like to hit the bottom. Father, to find ourselves in a place where 
we are so discouraged, we are so concerned, we are so worried, we are so frustrated. Um, Father, maybe some are at that place in this room today. Father, may we follow the instructions found in James. May we live our faith. May we persevere through the trials. May we seek prayer in all circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen. Leonard's going to come lead us in our closing hymn this morning. I invite you to take your hymn book now and turn with me to hymn number 312. We want to thank Pastor Tony for that message and in faith this morning. And we'll sing, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. 312. I ask you to stand with me as we sing this together. <laughs> to be thank you Lord for the privilege and opportunity we have gathering here together to worship you and to hear your word Father now we pray that through this message each one of us might have increased our faith as we travel out into the world this week Father help us to be more like you be better witnesses and testimony for you 
And Father, we pray that your will would be done in each one of our lives. Thank you again for the privilege we have of worshiping you. And these favors and blessings we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.